1: Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: We learned two things this weekend. Number one, when we jump on board, the ship be sinking. And that absolutely is happening with the Miami Heat. And number two, when it's all going down, I am the guy that you want in your corner.
3: Who's happier right now? Is it Novak Djokovic winning his 23rd Grand Slam, or is it Nikola Jokic, who's on the verge of not only winning his first NBA title? But the Denver Nuggets' first title as a franchise.
2: I, I would say that it's probably Yes, the answer Yolkitch. is probably yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. I'd go with Jokic right now. Kenton Carlin in for Grinny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. Let's roll.
0: Here we go! go, go.
1: Only one place to start. From Barkley's perspective, he's probably sitting here saying, you saw what I did last year, I was healthy, looked like my old self. I feel like there's been some things out there that's been misleading. I came out public, I've been open about it. I said I want to be a giant for life. It's all about respect.
2: It's all about getting paid, and that's how you show your respect in the NFL. Saquon Barkley speaking out yesterday. We will get to the NBA finals in just a bit, but this is an incredibly important story on a few different fronts. And first of all, let's start from the Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants standpoint. Chris Canty, when you look at these two sides, you have to try to figure out Who needs the other more? Does Saquon Barkley need the Giants more, or do the Giants need Saquon Barkley more? They have franchise tagged him. They have not worked out a uh, contract that Barkley's going to be happy with for the long term. And for me, it is exceptionally close. I would say just based on the fact that the Giants uh, had the season they did last year and making the playoffs – gave the money that they did to Daniel Jones for the next couple of years. Having Saquon Barkley here for the next year or two, they slightly need him a little bit more than he needs them. I would argue the opposite. I mean, when you
3: look at the running back position, it's clear that teams are unwilling to give massive second contracts because the organizations that have in recent years haven't been able to benefit from them. You think about what the Carolina Panthers gave Christian McCaffrey. They didn't get the return on the investment in terms of the way it wins. You look at Ezekiel Elliott with the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't get the return on in the investment, continue to get bounced in the divisional round of the playoffs. Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, the list goes on and on. Like th- those teams are paying running backs top-of-the-market money, and yet those teams, for whatever reason, can't realize championship expectations. And let me be clear about one thing that I'm about to say. If you're going to pay a running back 14 $15, 16000000 million, you damn well better expect to compete for a title. If you're Joe Shane and Brian Dabo, you got to ask yourself, are we there as a franchise already? Going into year two, is it realistic for us to think that we can get to a Super Bowl? I get it. You were one of the final eight teams last year. You got to the divisional round, but you got smoked by the team in the NFC that represented that conference in the Super Bowl. Oh, by the way, that team is in your division. So, again, I ask the question. Well, I hate to answer a question with a question. But when we're talking about who needs who more, I would push back with
2: the question of how close are the Giants to winning a championship? I wouldn't say they're terribly close. I wouldn't say they're terribly close. But if you're trying to get closer in the next two years, which at least that's the impression they've given us when they've given the contract that they did to Daniel Jones and opt to not go in another direction and saw progress last year. A big reason for that progress was Saquon Barkley. Here's Saquon yesterday speaking out
1: about how he views the negotiations right now. I feel like there's been some things out there that's been misleading. Obviously, the the sources or the, the stories that have been out there. But i've been public, I came out public, I've been open about it. I said i want to be a giant for life. This is where I want to be, and at the end of the day, it was all about respect. I've came out and said that I want to be a giant for life. I came out and said that I'm not trying to reset the running back market, so you know for those reports to come out and try to make me look like um greedy or whatever that's not even close to being the truth but uh, okay. it is what it is
2: couple of things here number <laughs> one, giant for life that's nice it's a nice thought. It's, uh, it's a talking point because nobody, virtually nobody plays their entire career with one team anymore, especially when it comes to running backs. Mm. Number two, if you're Saquon Barkley, I get wanting to be paid, but it does seem to me that at times he, he does forget just how injured he has been in his first few years in his career. So, Kenty, what's the number... Here for Saquon Barkley, because McCaffrey is the highest paid running back at $16 million. Mm-hmm. He's not McCaffrey. Uh, Alvin Kamara makes $15 million. Uh, Alvin Kamara's numbers the last couple of years have dropped. Didn't necessarily have a quarterback, but still. Then you're talking about uh, Derrick Henry. Dalvin Cook just got cut. Derrick Henry... Nick Chubb at 12 and a half, 12.2. What is Saquon Barkley actually worth right now for the Giants that makes it worth giving him a deal?
3: It's not $15 million a year. It's not $16 million a year. Can they get close to that $13, $14 million range? It would depend on the overall structure, the amount of years, and most importantly, the amount of money that he's going to make through the first two seasons because that's the part that's going to be guaranteed All of these things are factors, but what I have in detailed knowledge of the negotiations, the one thing that I would say about Saquon is this. You got to find the best deal for you right now because it doesn't behoove you to hold out. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Are are you really willing to push the envelope and say you're sitting out for an entire calendar year similar to what we saw Le'Veon Bell do several years ago? Le'Veon Bell got his money, but he got it somewhere else. He got it from the New York Jets which is not the model when it comes to functional franchises around the National Football League. Could you find another sucker elsewhere after you set out for a year? Sure. But you're giving away a year of your career in your prime. And we've already talked about how a running back shelf life is shorter than pretty much every other position in the National Football League. So uh, I would look at it from the standpoint of trying to find the the middle ground with the New York Giants. Maybe that includes – Having an incentive laden contract to bump it up in terms of your, your compensation, where the average annual value, if you reach those incentives, comes close to the top of the market. But let's dive into what Saquon actually said, because I actually don't think it was a misstep. Him saying he wants to be a giant for life, yeah, it appeals to the fan base. Yeah. But the most important person that it appeals to is John Marrow. Remember, yeah. John Mara was the one pushing to draft Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick back in 2018. This is his guy. Saquon has been a great face for the franchise through a lot of losing seasons. Saquon has been a great pillar in the community. He's been a guy that you can lean on in the locker room as an extension of the coaching staff and ownership. I mean, this guy does all the right things. He says all of the right things. And so when you look at the character of the player, and you match that with the morals and values of the franchise or what they purport them to be, it feels like it's the kind of fit that John Mara's looking for. And so I think Saquon is appealing to John Mara in in, in that instance by saying giant for life, and that's something that resonates with him because what's the mantra over at 1925 Giants Drive? Once a giant, always a giant. Mm -hmm. And so they want guys that want to be there, and this is a guy that you took, again, with the second overall pick. And he's paid out. He's been a really, really good running back. If you're John Mara, this is the kind of guy you want to keep around. And this is the kind of guy that you send a message to your locker room because he's a homegrown player that's produced. If, you, if we draft you and you produce, we'll pay you. Why is that important? It's important because you got Andrew Thomas's contract coming up too. And he's watching how you handle Saquon Barkley. And he just watched how you handle Dexter Lawrence. And he just watched how you handle Daniel Jones. How you handle Saquon Barkley, who is by and large, by all accounts, a team leader, matters when it comes to future negotiations with guys that you draft and bring it to your organization. Guys that you're leaning on to be core players for the foreseeable future.
2: Cantina Carlin in for Greenie, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. You have said this time and again that Saquon lost leverage when Daniel Jones got his deal. Here's Dan Graziano, his take, ESPN NFL insider, on how this needs to go down.
1: I understand all the evidence for, like, don't pay the running back and, and, and how it has hamstrung teams. But I think in this case... The Giants are not there yet as a passing offense. To the extent that they're going to be good in the passing offense, he's a big part of it. I think they need to find a deal. They've been playing hardball with him, and I understand why, but I think they'll be a lot better off if they can find a deal that, that, that makes him happy and gets him to camp.
2: You know, the devil is always in the details, and when Saquon says he doesn't want to reset the, the running back market, that's great. I don't want $16 million, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that there is a big part of him that is pointing at Alvin Kamara right now and says, I'm better than that, dude. And I need that money. And you cannot, even though I'm saying slightly better, uh, slightly more important to the Giants uh, that Saquon is than, than he is, uh, to, than the Giants are to him. Chris, if I'm the Giants, I'm not handing him any more than $13.5 million a year. I, I just can't do it because ultimately, as much as Daniel Jones was the guy I wanted to bring here to make better. I and i signed up to make better. I just can't use my my resources in an irresponsible way. And it has to be about the contract is going to work for me and it's going to work for me where I can get out of it after two years. And if yeah. I'm the Giants, that's, that's got to be it at this point, because Saquon, you're not going to play. All right. You're going to sign a franchise tag and want to be a free agent next year. That's fine by me, too.
3: Well, think about Brian Daybowl and Joe Shane. They came from Buffalo, and that's not an organization that values the running back position. They they invest draft picks in them, but they don't necessarily pay those guys on massive second deals. So I I wouldn't expect that those guys would come down to the Giants and operate in a different way. That just shows you a little bit of their football philosophy. And here's the thing. I can't say they're wrong. I get that Saquon Barkley is more than just a running back and how he's a weapon. That all sounds great. But Saquon Barkley's been in the league five years and only been healthy
2: for a full season twice. But to that that point, is he really truly as much of a weapon as he was? Because when I'm looking at his career, his first year was his best season. And that's a while ago now at this point. That's 2018. He he hit for 1,300 yards this past season rushing. Catching a ball out of the backfield, Chris, he didn't crack 400.
3: Yeah, but he had 352 touches and he was north of 1,500 total yards and he had double-digit touchdowns. That's a damn weapon. By uh, any way, any way you slice it. That's a weapon. That's a weapon. So, I mean, th- th- like there's value in that. But the thing that you have to understand is you got to guard against injury. And you're talking yeah. about a guy that's had several lower body injuries. We saw that he had the shoulder injury this past season. He was banged up. He wasn't fully healthy, but he pushed through it. And listen, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Nothing motivates a guy like fresh cash. Saquon Barkley knew he was in a contract year. Saquon Barkley knew the talking points, how he had an injury-marred career. He couldn't come off the field. And so he was out there, but he wasn't the same version of himself for all 16 games that he played in last year. And when you consider a playoff game as well. So my whole point is this. If you're the New York Giants and you park $25 million over the next two years in guarantees to Saquon Barkley, is that going to be a deal you can live with? And my answer to that question would be only if it allows us to contend at a championship level. That means NFC championship game or better. Do I see the Giants within that window getting to that point? Probably not, and that's probably why they aligned the Daniel Jones contract the way they did, and paying him eighty-two million dollars over the next two years, and they can get out after twenty twenty-four. They're not committed. They're not sold on Daniel Jones completely. And that's for performance base. They're not sold on Saquon Barkley because they don't believe he can stay healthy, and that's what complicates this contract negotiation.
2: Eight 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 say ESPN 888-729-3776. So the question to you is simply this. Do the Giants need Saquon Barkley more than he needs them? Eight 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 say ESPN lines are open for you in moments. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle RV and boat insurance. Visit progressive.com. In just moments, we ask that very question to our ESPN NFL front office insider on Greeny
4: on ESPN radio. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com.
0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space For no additional charge, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
1: Greeny,
2: the podcast.
1: From Barkley's perspective, he's probably sitting here saying, you saw what I did last year, I was healthy, looked like my old self. I feel like there's been some things out there that's been misleading. I came out public, I've been open about it. I said I want to be a Giant for life. It's all about respect.
2: Giant for life. Giant for life. Trying to catch everybody's attention with that one. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. We are on the ESPN app as well where you can watch the show. Just click watch, look for Greeny, and there you go. You're welcome. We get the answers to our questions on Saquon Barkley in 30 seconds. Here at Greeny, we're fired up for the Major League Baseball season. Luckily for you, our friends at Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, have great deals on great seats with huge selection of tickets to this year's hottest matchups. I'm not going to lie. I used Vivid Seats yesterday when I went down to see the Dodgers and Phillies in Philadelphia. And it was an outstanding experience. Experience every crack of the bat, every diving catch, and every heart-pounding play of your favorite team, live and in person. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
3: I want to apologize to every Yankees fan that bought their seats this weekend for Yankees Red Sox on Vivid Seats. Mm. because you didn't get what you paid
2: for. No, you did not.
3: You did not get what you paid for. I want to apologize to all the other Yankees fans out there. I feel bad.
2: Billy McKinney looks good. Yeah,
3: when your lead is
2: Billy McKinney looks good (laughs) off of the weekend, (laughs) that's that's a bad damn place to be. That's the (laughs) point. that's just me with a little tweak it's Canty and Carlin in for
3: greening well I mean if you want to
2: play those games your team didn't look so hot yesterday against the Rays either no I know we only have a six game lead now in the west huh that's a shame uh listen I hate you Mike Tannenbaum ESPN <laughs> NFL front so office knocked. insider that was very very well slipped in I hate you that's awesome <laughs> they were really well done uh Mike joins us right now uh to talk about all things NFL Mike How would you approach this situation with Saquon Barkley in the front office?
5: Well, first of all, there's no way you use vivid seats. I mean, a man of your stature, you just go down there and and the Phillies just put you up. Get you on the field before the game. Oh, I don't no, think no, you're no. using any ticket. ticket oh, no, the no, only no, way no, he's no, on no, the no.
3: field before the game in a Phillies ballpark is if he's the damn mascot. I, my exactly. Key. That's and the only I, way. That's <laughs> the only way he's getting on the and, field. And by the way,
2: I have <laughs> shot hey. hot dogs in Philadelphia with the FNAF. And, and here's the
3: kicker they would have to have Connor McGregor as the guy to throw out the introductory first <laughs> pitch if he's going to be the
2: mascot. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's right. another story. i tell you what, somebody's going to get some of that McGregor money.
5: Yeah, uh, I was—I was, I was going to say, living down here in South Florida, yeah. The uh, the Bernie, the mascot, he's uh, in concussion protocol, and uh, he's looking doubtful for tonight. Maybe he should take some lessons from Tua on how
3: to
2: slide. Maybe that'll help, <laughs> uh, Mike. That, so, that what's your take? The, there that with was
5: more a Bar- standing a count, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> so, what's your take there with Barkley? How do you handle this
5: uh, from the front office perspective? Oh, we got to talk about football. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Look, he's a great player, guys. You know, he was targeted 77 times, 57 receptions. You know, Matt Breida was a very distant second. Really, Daniel Jones was their second-best running back. But more fundamentally, and, and Chris, see, you know this from a locker room perspective. When your best player, your most talented player, is of the character of Saquon Barkley, you have to sign those players because if you don't, your locker room is going to say, hey, Here's a great player on and off the field, does everything right. And despite it being, quote-unquote, the running back position, he's an offensive weapon. And the other thing I'll say that I love about Saquon is he's worked on his weaknesses. I think his pass protection has gotten better. So, to me, he's checked every box and and richly deserves an extension. Mike
3: T., taking the holdout option off the table because I don't think that's a realistic pathway for Saquon – What's the happy medium with, between Saquon and the New York Giants in terms of being able to consummate a deal before July 17th uh, th- this summer? Wh- 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 where is that, that sweet spot in terms of the player getting what he's looking for and the organization protecting itself, guarding itself against injury or decline in performance?
5: I, I think it's like most things, like both sides have to be able to declare victory. So I, I think you've got to take McCaffrey and Kamara off the table. I think the average per year is 12, 12 and a half per year. But I think the guarantee is robust. It has to be north of 20, maybe 22 million. So both sides could walk away, shake hands, and, and sort of declare victory. And, um, you know, Dalvin Cook's just the most recent example of a really good player getting cut at that position. So, But I, I think Saquon's just so different because of his. Uh, ability to impact the passing game
2: 888 say ESPN Eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. your calls in five minutes on whether the Giants need Saquon more or Saquon needs the Giants more it's Mike Tannenbaum ESPN NFL front office insider joining us so Mike I pose that question to you do they need him more than he needs them
5: I think so I think this is an important year you know this is a team that may be better at 23 and have a worse record when you just look at it. So to me, um, I just, look, plenty of teams would love to have Saquon Barkley. If I'm the Giants, I'm hard-pressed to think we're a better organization without him than with him.
3: Mike T, I'm thinking about the running back market as a whole, taking a macro view of it, thinking about what happened with Dalvin Cook, thinking about what's going on between the Raiders and Josh Jacobs and the stance that he's taking, thinking about what Austin Eckler just went through with the Chargers and trying to renegotiate his last year before free agency. What happens with the running back market moving forward? Does the league need to do something to address this similar to what they do with the player performance uh, uh, stipulation for guys Uh, especially guys on their rookie contracts?
5: I I don't think so. I think it's just market conditions. I I, I think what owners would just say is the verb isn't spend. We're spending plenty in the system. We're just going to allocate it differently. And, you know, look at the Cowboys. Like, beyond Tony Pollard, you know, they went out and they signed, they drafted Deuce Vaughn. Uh, They signed Jones, who's been a a productive back. He was with uh, Ronald Jones from USC. He was with Tampa. He was with Kansas City. I think Ronald Jones is really good, and I think what they're saying is, hey, we'll go with Deuce Vaughn, who was a six-round pick. We'll go with Ronald Jones, and we're not going to pay Zeke Elliott, and we're going to sink that money into Micah Parsons. Or, you know, I think Minnesota is saying, hey, we think Dalvin Cook's really good, but we like Alex Madison, and we're going to take that $10 million, and we're going to sink that into – Justin Jefferson's extension because you know Justin Jefferson can't leave the building well here's the thing and just to push back a little bit
3: Mike T the position is fundamental to the game of football and the reality is that teams don't want to pay these guys not because they're not good but because they don't have as much shelf life as a wide receiver or a tight end or a quarterback or pretty much any other position on the field so I guess the broader question is Is that something that the players go to the owners and try to address moving forward? Or should that be something that players go to the owners and try to address moving forward?
5: I I think that would be really difficult, Chris, because I think every position, you know, I think the quarterbacks could go to the uh, negotiation table and say, hey, you know what? We want to have our own sort of, like, rules. We want to be exempt from the cap. And I think, you know, our sport is the ultimate team game. And I just think if we start getting into these sort of, like, micro – sort of like exceptions by position, it's really going to be a tough system to run. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL
2: front office insider joining us Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio in for Greeny. Speaking of the Cowboys do you think they actually do need another running back with Deuce Vaughn being what he is as a rookie and Tony Pollard having never really been
1: the guy?
5: I don't think so. Um, Again, I'm bullish on Ryle Jones because he's such a good receiver um, and there is a question about Tony Pollard's durability, although I think he's a great player. I totally think the Cowboys made the right decision in terms of what they're going to, you know, how they're approaching it. So, um, but you know, as we've talked about, there's always an abundance of running backs. I'm not saying it's going to be Dalvin Cook, but one of the reasons Zeke Elliott's unemployed right now is there's a better player out there now in Dalvin Cook. And, um, as long as, you know, supply out meets demand, the Cowboys will be in a good position at, at running back. Mike, last one. How do you feel about yourself
2: in handling emergency situations? Are you good in what you would, and I'm not talking about anything really football related, but if you have a semi-emergency situation, how do you feel about yourself?
5: I I, I think I'm slightly below average, and I could bring something into real time at 440 of the our dog was throwing up, and I was great at delegating to my wife Michelle, letting her <laughs> know that so. You know, uh, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and I would just say in an emergency situation, I'm really good at telling others what to do and not counting on my own abilities. Well, that
2: see, that is the the man who has been the boss before many times, and I understand that, but <laughs> I think it's important that we all recognize our strengths. So I asked that question because I think I found something else out about myself this weekend, but we'll get into that in a bit. Good stuff, Mike. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Kentian and Carlin on ESPN Radio in Fort Greeney. We are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Let us get to some of your calls at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Who needs who more? The Giants need Saquon Barkley more? Or Saquon Barkley need the Giants more? We start with Eddie up first on ESPN Radio. Eddie, what do you got?
5: Hey, fellas. Uh, first of all, I don't like the, uh, the, this uh, running back in five years redoing a deal screws everything up. They should change it for running back. At the three-year mark, they should be able to go for a new contract. That would solve all this problem. But Barkley, I'm, I go back to Eric Dickinson and all the running backs. Barkley runs soft. He's a toe tapper. He's not. He when he, he can't run the ball up the middle. We don't need a 50 yard run out of 10 runs. So I would kind of get rid of him. But I would have offered him a contract a year and a half ago and just nipped it in the butt there. But you can't. See that's the problem. At the three year mark, you should be able to renegotiate with your running back and give him that money because at the five year mark, you're, now you're worried all the time. But he, he's not. He's not a power runner.
3: Well, Eddie, a year and a half ago, Barkley was coming off a season where he only played in two games. So I I don't know if that's the time that the Giants should have offered him a contract. What I will say to your formal point, though, is that I do think the NFL can address running backs being grossly underpaid in their rookie deals. And I completely disagree with Mike Tannenbaum and the notion that there's nothing that you can do because it's such a niche market when it comes to the running back position specifically. The NFL already has a mechanism in place called the player performance bonus. Where at the end of every year, based on your contract and or draft position and the number of snaps that you play, you are compensated X on top of your base salary. I think that there's an opportunity to rope in the number of touches that a player gets, the number of touchdowns that a player gets in order to offset what running backs lose when it comes to their second contracts as opposed to other skill position players in the league. To me, that just makes the most sense. If you think about the running back position, they get a ton of touches early on. They get a lot of touchdowns early on. That's a way where you can compensate them without saying that you're not compensating the other guys. Because if you're a wide receiver, you still get compensated with the number of touches you get, the number of touchdowns you get. It's just that running backs, it's exponentially more through your first four or five seasons. And we know that that's the prime of their NFL career. So to me, that just makes the most sense. Again, the league already has the mechanism in yeah. place. Yeah, 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 The only thing that it would take is adding this addendum when it comes to number of touches, number of touchdowns. Now, this ain't my idea. This is Mike Florio. He put it on Pro Football Talk over the weekend. But I think it's a phenomenal idea that both the PA and the league can explore in order to change the perception
2: of what's happening in the exploitation of the running back position. One situation to keep an eye on when it comes to this is Josh Jacobs, who tweeted it out over the weekend uh, at his Twitter, I am underscore Josh Jacobs. Sometimes it's not about you. We got to do it for the ones after us. Now, Josh Jacobs is currently on the franchise tag with the Raiders. So he's another guy that is looking to get paid at this point. Now, I, I get where he's coming from. Because this is, it's almost an endangerment, so to speak, of the position. And the the most important part of this is, it's not like the position is going anywhere in the game. It's not going to disappear. No. It's nothing like that. It's just, we can find other guys to do it. Chris, more than anything, I I feel like it becomes more of the exception and not the rule. Mm. I think there are times where you find the Isaiah Pacheco's in the seventh round, and you benefit from that. There are other guys that we have seen that have been drafted later, but it is not always the case when it comes to really, really good productive running backs that you shouldn't pay them and I could just go find the next guy.
3: Yeah, but, I mean, Derrick Henry was a second-round pick. Alva Kamara was a third-round pick. Nick Chubb was a third-round pick. Like, there are too many guys – that are premier rushers that have all pros at the position under their belt. That are mid to late round picks, and, so, and they also got paid though, yeah, well, because they were that, right? Oh, well, they got paid, but they didn't. They didn't get paid top of the market deal. Well, Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry, but Nick Chubb didn't get a top of market deal. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, so I, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I guess my broader point is that there is something that can be done that the NFL needs to explore, because I completely push back on what Mike Tenenbaum says in terms of, you know, trying to address such a niche market when it comes to the running back position specifically. But I also acknowledge that the alternative is not working for the league either. Guys aren't going to be able to get paid massive deals on their second contract at running back. You know why? There have been too many cautionary tales that teams have seen in the modern game. So it's not about trying to maximize your second deal. It's about trying to maximize the first four to five years of your career, because that is your prime as a running back relative to any other position group.
2: Canty and Carlin, Infragrany, ESPN radio. Don't forget to tune in to game five of the NBA Finals tonight, presented by Indeed. The coverage begins 730 PM Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and Sirius XM Channel 80. Speaking of which, one of Nikola Jokic's teammates suggested he's gonna get even better
1: Splash! Shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Greeny, the
2: podcast. How can he possibly get better? Jokic has just been unreal. And the other night, frankly, I, I, I thought what we saw in game... Four was pretty much the Nuggets B-minus game in the way they won that game. <laughs> and I, unfortunately for the Heat, that's not a good sign. No, it Moving is not. forward. By the way, Canty and I did jump on the Heat at plus 650
3: to win the series prior to game four. Another reason why I hate you this morning.
2: How is that my fault? That
3: is your fault. I wasn't thinking about it. Until I settled in to watch the game with my family on Friday night. Here comes the text from Carlin. Hey, Kenny, you want to take advantage of the juice on the Miami Heat? Hey, we got this plus 650. Let's get on it. The Heat can come back and win this thing. Thanks a lot, Carlin,
2: for burning $100. Thank you for that. I I believe the phrase that you use sometimes is grown-ass man. And you are a grown-ass man. My point is I would
3: not have thought about it had you not brought it to my front door. I wouldn't have thought about it. I wasn't thinking about going on the apps to bet on the game. I wasn't thinking about it. didn't even cross my mind. I had enough on my mind over this weekend with you know, my, my wife spending yet another weekend with her in-laws. That's another story. Right. <laughs> but what I will say is this. I wasn't thinking about touching the action on the game. Just because I thought Miami would win, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't as confident mm. in game four because of what I saw in game three. And here comes Fatty. Hey, let, <laughs> let's go
2: ahead and put some action down on the game. And look what happened. Burned $100. All, all I said was, you know, you were bullish on the heat at plus 550 the other day. And I saw plus 650. I'm like, what do you think? And you're like, boom, man, let's go. You know what? It's not in the Never, never bet
3: with Carlin when it comes to NBA playoffs. You lost a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue to me. Mm-hmm. You owe me and my wife dinner at Tatiana's. Mm-hmm. And so I should have known not to go down this road inside with you with anything. You know where things turn for the Miami Heat in the postseason? When you jumped on the damn bandwagon, (laughs) when it became Carlin for the culture, when you decided to buy in hook, line, and sinker to what the Miami Heat were doing, that's when things started going up. That was the point where they had that three-game slide in the conference finals against the Celtics. The Heat are up 3-0. Fanny finally decides, you know what? Maybe I should jump on board with the Heat. And what happens? They lose three games in a row. They barely get out of the conference finals after having a 3-0 lead. I should have known then. That you had cursed the Miami Heat. Yeah. The Carlin Jinx, the Carlin Hex is a real thing when it comes to NBA playoffs.
5: Yeah,
2: I'm the problem. Not, you are the problem. Not the 270-pound monster who's the best player in the league, and probably will be for the next four years. Well, he years. wasn't
3: the problem on Friday night. He turned his ankle in the first quarter. Well, and they couldn't do anything to take advantage
2: of it. Uh, what I knew they were dead Friday night was when... He came out with his fifth foul. Scott Foster, by the way, right on top of that, right on top of that. Number five. Let's make sure this one goes down to the wire. Thanks, Scott. But when the Heat, when the Heat did not take advantage of that, they were, or, and even show signs of taking advantage of it, they were dead. They were absolutely dead. But think about the idea that he could possibly get even better. That's what Jamal Murray. thinks.
0: I think that's what impresses me the most. You know,
3: he won his first MVP, and then his numbers. We're better than the second MVP, and his numbers are better now. So I think there's more to come actually from Yoke. I think we haven't seen the side of Yoke that we're going to see where he can be just pure dominance the whole game even more than he
5: has been.
2: Can't he, he could be the next. He could be the best player in this league for another five years. I mean, there are guys that we can point to, whether it's Tatum who may catch up, whether it's I, I don't think that he will to this level, whether it's Victor Webb and Yama. Uh, I mean, who else do you want to point to right now that could catch up as the best player in the league? Uh, Guys, you know, maybe there's somebody who hasn't even been drafted yet, beyond Webb and Yama. uh, Am I wrong to say that this is headed in that direction when you look at every single way he influences the game?
3: Well, I mean, there there are going to be guys in the conversation. You mentioned Giannis, you mentioned Tatum. I think Devin Booker will insert himself in that conversation for the best player in the world. Um, But, but yeah, I, I think... There's a very real possibility over the next five years he could hold that title. And if he does, what that means is he will be in the pantheon of the all-time greats, right? I mean, the litmus is multiple MVPs, multiple titles, but also being widely considered the best player in the world for eight to ten years. A decade of dominance is what you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Think about the 90s. Who was the athlete they owned in the 90s in the NBA? It was Michael Jordan. The 2000s, it was Kobe Bryant. The 2010s, it was LeBron James. If Yoke can do that for the 2020s, then you're talking about him being considered one of the greatest of all time, a top 10 player, period. Point blank. That ends the conversation. Now, do I think that's easier said than done? Absolutely. And this is an ever-evolving lead, and the talent level is just out of the world right now in terms of guys coming in that are highly skilled. So, when you look at the Luka Doncic's of the world, you know, you mentioned Victor Webin-Yama. There are – Anthony Edwards, another one in Minnesota. There are a lot of guys that are going to be vying and making cases to be the best player in the league during that five-year span that we're talking about. But Nikola Jokic, because of the style of play that he has, being so fundamentally sound, not necessarily having a game that's predicated on athleticism, but more based on his skill and his court vision and just, you know, overall awareness, I mean, there's a chance – that his game could translate to him dominating the league over the next six years. To,
2: you're starting a team tomorrow. You have your pick. Is he the first pick? Hmm. See, I'm kind of with you on this in that I probably would still take Giannis, number one. But
3: you're taking Giannis based on the sheer athleticism yes. of it all. That's yes. what it is. And, and I guess I'm wondering at what point Can do, I we, toss that do, aside? We, do we move away from that? Yeah. Because, I mean, look at Luka Doncic. He's not an elite-level athlete. But he's one of the most skilled players in the NBA. Did
2: you see the picture of him over the weekend? There was a picture of him slimmed down. It can't be. It looked like they had photoshopped this down to where the middle of his body was like, you know, they cut it in the middle, like he was a model. But
3: think about it, he's just doing what Nikola Jokic showed him is successful. Yeah. Nikola Jokic got to this level, let's be clear, because he took his strength and conditioning serious in the offseason. He said the MVPs are great. But if I want my team to have high-level success, I've got to get in better shape. And he did that. And now he's the most unstoppable force in all of basketball. So if Luka Doncic is taking a page out of Jokic's book, look out for the Dallas Mavericks next year. But I think the biggest thing is Jokic proving that he's the best player in the league. And here comes Fatty.
1: Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or... Watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.